Buenas tardes, feliz verano, good afternoon, and happy end of the summer. It's still pretty hot, but fall is on the horizon, which makes me happy. Welcome back to the Metropolitan Culture Corner. On this monthly interview series, we go behind the scenes with some of the fascinating creative individuals who form a part of the local arts and culture scene. And by local, I mean that these people live and work in Barcelona, but many of them are internationally recognized for what they do, just like our guest this month, Adriano Galante. Now you could describe Adriano as one or all of the following, performer, singer, composer, songwriter, producer, musician, writer, poet, activist, mover, and shaker. His body of work and artistic expression encompasses all of this and more. But more than anything, Adriano is a communicator of ideas, an interdisciplinary creator with the ability to express himself in a fresh, very personal, out-of-the-box way, while simultaneously fomenting a collective curation of creative influences in his projects. The way that he presents himself on stage creates a feedback loop between himself and his many collaborators, between his projects and his audience, music and his community, in a way that's organic and really real. Adriano is the founder of Sound Action and Free Song Collective Seward, a band that's been around 15 years. He has collaborated with countless acclaimed musical and performance artists, ranging from musicians Silvia Perez Cruz to Judith Netterman, playwright Denise Duncan, who we've interviewed on the series as well, Javier Gallego from Carne Cruda, many, many, many more. He has also recently presented both theatrical and poetry works at the Teatro Iure, at La Auditori, at La La Musica. This year, he also released a book called Mediante, which is slated to be the first of 20 three unpublished poetry collections and his latest big musical project is a solo album released this past May called Todo Una Alegría which is a totally new music direction for him as an artist it was recorded at 10 different studios scattered across Catalonia and is absolutely filled with collaborations Adriano is also well known for promoting socially oriented projects and campaigns such as a campaign for freedom of expression and freedom of speech called No Callarem or No Callaremos in conjunction with the Musicians Union SMAC also the Caixa de Resonancia platform which seeks to offer a sustainable alternative to streaming services. He has also worked with nonprofit organizations such as Artists at Risk. He has helped coordinate community festivals such as Ban Cultura Viva or La Línea Cultura Rambles. And that doesn't even come close to covering the full list of all the creative and social projects he's involved in. Artists like Adriano are not likely to show up on the latest viral TikTok challenge, but they do tend to show up on, for example, the magazine Songline's Top of the World compilations and in national newspapers like El Periódico because the art that he creates, the social discourse that naturally flows from it, while it's way left of mainstream, it reaches people's hearts. Which is why it is my pleasure to present to all of you our guest this month on the Metropolitan Culture Corner, Adriano Galante. I'm asking many musicians if they listen to music and many good singers and famous people don't have time to listen to new music. I mean, if I would be a chef, I would be eating in restaurants all day, you know? I mean, <laughs> chefs, they don't stop eating, you know? But musicians, many of them, they stop listening to new music or old music or just music they don't know. And that feels weird, so I'm talking about this lately. Sometimes the people you have closed, I don't know why we don't listen to each other's projects, you know? Sometimes they're the last projects we listen to. Our guest this month, first of all, welcome. Thank you for spending some time with us here. My pleasure. And now, I'm not sure if you're actually from Barcelona. I was born in Madrid and I spent 10 years in a small town up north in Leon. Really tiny, tiny town because my parents wanted to see me growing there in the countryside, not in the city. So we moved from Madrid to Leon and then we spent there 10 years since we moved to Catalonia. So I've been here since 2004, 
maybe five. People here on the local scene, on the national scene, know you as Adriana the musician. But from what I understand, you started out more as an athlete than an artist, right? So what inspired your yeah. turn? <laughs> yeah, well, I got some parts of my body broken. Uh, I was obsessed with sports. I was a volleyball player and football player, and I was getting into it like really professionally. So I got some parts of my body broken, and that was the beginning of. That's the moment I realized there were two guitars at my parents' house and they were all the time listening to music and they were all the time, yeah, you have to play, you have to play. And I was like, no, 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 I love football, I love sports, I don't like music. <laughs> so I started really late and I studied journalism in Madrid. But when I moved to Barcelona, I started playing music and that was very fast. I started working in a year time. When you got to Barcelona, did you find that the local scene was something that inspired you, was interesting, because it's different than Madrid, right? Yeah, I mean, I was a big music fan. I came here to end the journalism career, because I spent three years there in Madrid, and then I came here to end the last two years. But then I started knowing all these jam sessions and all these musicians from the local scene, and they started offering me jobs and many kinds of projects. And that's the way I started. I quit journalism and kept on writing and, and loving music as a journalist as well, and writing about music or writing about other issues. But uh, yeah, that was the beginning. Like moving to Barcelona was really inspiring for me. I mean, I, I wasn't looking for it. I was just going to these jam sessions and singing and knowing people and I don't know, just life put me there. Once you got here and got involved in the scene, many people got to know you later on as part of Seward, right? And the atmosphere, yeah. this collective musical movement, how did that very untraditional band come to be and how did that mm. format inspire how you work, how you write? Well, my first job was in a theater company, so I was touring all over the world with this theater company, kind of uh, like Circo del Sol type of shows, you know, outdoors and many people just a tiny part of a big project but then I was trying to compose my music and that was not fitting in that project so during the last two years of this job I started knowing all these musicians that I really loved what they were doing and we were starting collaborating as well I was like I've been recording all this music and I cannot put it anywhere else than in this scene so I called these musicians I loved and, and I told them, hey, I have this new music and I have this new project. And we didn't know that was about to become a band. We opened a jam session in Jamboree in the What The Fuck Jam Sessions. And it was supposed to be under my name, but I said, no, this is sewer. So I started the project that way. I mean, it was a surprise for all of us. We were not only playing weird music or different music or experimental music. We were also saying, yeah, we're not going to use social platforms. We're not going to be streaming platforms. We're going to be only releasing vinyl. We're <laughs> so all the most difficult things, we put them all on the table. And I don't know, that worked. You know, I mean, in the first 10 gigs, it was like um, the beginning of something really important for us. And it's been almost 15 years since then. That was because of all of these people involved in the music scene in Barcelona. I mean, at that moment, maybe we just move into another city and find other musicians, but that moment was really important to be. All these really different kind of minds that come together in this collective, no? Um, mm -hmm. I've seen you guys do, for example, the performance of Jesus Christ Superstar, and I know you did a kind yeah. of live performance to Blade Runner with this alternative soundtrack. And these are very theatrical musical propositions. It's not like, quote unquote, just another band gig in a club, right? So. You started in theater, and of course, you've presented theater productions and poetry and music productions since. For you, are music and theater not so separate disciplines? Are they more united than people would think? 
Yeah, we've been always talking about this. When music journalists interview us, most of them are asking about this theatrical way of being on stage. Why are we so intense and why we <laughs> communicate that much with our bodies, with our expression, with our music, with the dynamics? That's why we don't talk between songs. We don't say thank you. I mean, we say it with our bodies, but I think when we get into the stage, we think it's part of a theater show or a movie or a contemporary dance show, you know? It's just music happening, and music is the only thing that talks, you know? I mean, we're not normal persons, to say it somehow. I think we have this really sacred relationship what we share playing music. So we just try to keep connected with that during the whole show. That's the way we communicate. I think it's more into uh, performing arts than a normal concert. But I've been I've been talking lately in, during my new show with this album. <laughs> so it's the first time in, in my life I sing in Spanish and it's the first time in my life I talk between songs. Something different is happening. <laughs> On the new album, which is Todo Una Alegría, and for our Anglo-Hablantes, Everything is Joy. Is that how you translate it? Yeah. Sound, the attitude, so to speak, the language, like you said, it changed from English to Spanish. I mean, everything is different from Seward's trademark sound, so super different from the past. Where does that change come from? Did the songwriting process change, the production change, or you just personally decided, I want to mm. go this way now? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it lately. You know, my mom used to sing a lot at home, play all the records very loud and dancing, and she was really intense, her relationship with music. So she was singing in English. She spent many years in the UK with an uncle we had there. I think that was my first relationship with music. So that's why I was singing in English, because he was doing this with me. But my father was listening to music with headphones. So we didn't listen to what he was listening to, but he was listening to music in Spanish, flamenco and traditional singer-songwriting and so on. I mean, I didn't know my father was listening to that. I only saw the records and then I have the records here. So I've been listening to them over the last years. I think my mom was more the, the radical or the surrealist or the, the unknown, the most pure thing and more metaphoric. But my father was more like real, you know, like just the real me. Like the subconsciente and the consciente, you know? Consciousness the, and subconsciousness, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so the subconscious was my mom, for sure. So when I was singing in English, I was able to create all these characters and talk through other voices. And I was exploring that from words and from lyrics and from singing. English sounds better in higher notes and in my kind of voice. English was really natural for me. I don't know why, singing. And then when I started recording or trying to sing in Spanish, I was listening to it and I didn't like it. He was like, what the fuck, who is this guy, you know? It didn't sound good for me. So I started listening to more music in Spanish, mostly from South America, because I love music from Mexico or from Chile, from Argentina. All music, not rock music. I learned playing music because I played loads of records. I didn't go to music school. So I just learned at home playing on top of records and just singing all the songs from all the artists, looking for the lyrics, and I studied a lot. But then I didn't do that with Spanish music or with the Latin American music. I'm doing it now. Now I'm like rebuilding myself and starting a new career, like a university career. I feel really young with, with Spanish music. I don't know why. I mean, it's my friend's language, but I never sing it. It's before. almost like changing instruments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally that talking about languages or about music it's about connecting to people right it's a vehicle mm -hmm. 
people, right? That's one thing I wanted to ask you about because your music in particular is really about this connection and this kind of feedback with your audience or your band, whether it's one language or another. And it seems to be such an integral, important part of what you do is this music as a social concept and not just a question of the artist singing at your face, right? So why is that such an important part of your music? I mean, it's the only way I can. For example, um, I was doing this poetry show last year, reading and singing in Spanish with my last poetry book. I wasn't able to get into it that fast. It was so new just to read my poems and just do a little bit of music here and there. I mean, it, it took me a year and a half to really get there and get lost when I was on stage. That's what I need to do. I mean, when I start singing, I, I really don't know what's happening. I mean, I know it because I do it, of course. But I know many musicians who started a lot and they perfectly know what's happening and what they can do. But it's through another type of knowledge. My knowledge is more intuitive. That's why I think when I go on stage, I try to communicate that way because that's the only way I know how to do it. And that's the way I've been learning. I mean, I've been trying to translate where I was learning from other artists, just going to shows or listening to albums and recording music or playing with other musicians. Now I'm, I'm doing these shows with different musicians every time. These shows from Toda Una Alegría, from my new album. I'm always looking for the same connection. Like I feel when I see someone on stage, I, I know in the first five, ten seconds if they're connected or not. Maybe I'm on the front row or I'm on the sound desk and I know it. There's something in the body, in the uh, relationship with music that you can feel it. You can see how the body moves. You can see if they're into it or they're thinking about going back home. That's why I love music. When I go to a show, I remember amazing concerts in my life, like Dirty Three, for example, no? the violinist from Nick Cave. I remember watching him in 2008 in the End of the Road Festival, and he was like, what the fuck? Man? <laughs> I mean, I never try to play as someone, even if they really inspired me to be working as a musician and to learn how to play and, and dedicate my life to music. I never tried to play like someone, but I've been trying all my life to have this relationship with music, you know? Just trying to find a connection with what's happening. And sometimes it doesn't happen. But you have to be there and try to be open. I have nothing against recorded music and DJs and other types of music that does not involve traditional instruments. But even if it's a DJ or whatever, you can see that. You can see that person is there. It's communicating through music, you know? It's not something spiritual or sacred or something weird. It's just something real. I mean, you, you see that. It's the same when you're talking with someone and you feel she or he or whatever is thinking about something else. You can see that person is listening to you. Well, I can see you, that person is talking to music when they're on stage. And that's what I'm trying to look for, you know, even with the musicians I play with. Sometimes I'm playing, I'm watching them like this, you know, I'm like totally in love with, <laughs> with the other musicians I play with because I'm a big fan of music as a listener. With this album, there's so many collaborations with so many amazing artists. Mm -hmm. Some people would ask other artists to be a part of their project because their name is important, because they think it will help them with the press or something. Mm -hmm. In your case, it doesn't sound like that's what you're looking for, even though some of these people are very well known. Do you just look for the person that you think will mm -hmm. 
just kind of swim in the same water as the song. How did you decide, you know, these people, I really want them on stage with me? They're all, I really like, they're really different than what I do. And I wanted that in the album. I wanted different opinions, different musicians that they do pop music, really different to what I would be able to do in my life. And we understand music in different ways. So I wanted that to be part of the album as well. Then there's people I really love as friends and as artists and couldn't imagine the album without them. And then there's also people I didn't know that much, but I'm a big fan of the work. I was like, wow, it would be amazing if they say yes. But I was thinking maybe only two or three or four say yes. I didn't expect so many yes. <laughs> I mean, it was totally amazing to feel like embraced by all these amazing singers. I think it's a particular moment in music and arts that everyone is trying to connect and trying to cooperate and trying to support each other because the algorithm is shutting everyone down sometimes, you know? Even the most famous artists, they disappear if they don't do that. In this case, I wasn't expecting a full collaboration album, really. I was 100% sure of two or three collaborations, but I didn't know that was going to happen. It wasn't the plan. The plan was let's do my first solo long play. But uh, yeah, it was a big surprise when it was about to end. I mean, the whole process, I figured out to do another extra song. And I was like, yeah, let's invite a bunch of people to play in this song, only in this one. And that's the last song of the record that I recorded with another team in another studio with another producer. And I called all these people that I was listening to at that time. They're all maybe 10, 15 years younger than me and younger than the other collaborations as well. And that was an amazing way of putting an end to this project because it was like the announcement of the next maybe or something, you know, like just let's people I really am a big fan of their work. It's amazing what they're doing. And I was like, wow, these people have to be here as well. <laughs> so I was just improvising. Yeah, maybe this one for this and it worked. <laughs> I'm really happy about it. I'm thankful. The title of the album is appropriate then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really beautiful, but it's also a lot of work. How do you balance the creative fun flow part of it with this massive mm. production? How did that work? I mean, I can't imagine music only playing, you know, only writing songs. I mean, that would be a dream, but uh, I think I, I could go mad because I really like to know what's happening in all the parts of the business or all the part of the, the creative project. So I'm always good about organizing and thinking and I don't know, just I love that part as well. But yeah, it was really fast. I mean, it was during many months, but the real work was only in some separate dates. So it was kind of easy, I think. The mixing engineer is a genius and, and I really enjoyed the whole process. Then you have to think about videos and think about photos and think about press and release strategy and blah, blah, blah. But I love that part too. <laughs> it just came out in May, and when people have a new project, two months later, everyone's like, okay, so when's the next one? Like, you have a kid, and they're like, when's the next kid coming? It's like, I just had one. Yeah. So, are you going to be for a while kind of enjoying this project and presenting it other places, or what are your plans for the rest of the year? With this album, I was like, just take it easy and let it grow. And I feel it's getting there slowly. It was hard for me to find the proper team. I mean, I'm working with a label that releases really different music compared to mine. Pop music, trap music in Catalan. I didn't expect a yes from their part. Even if I've been working with Sword all these years, this is like a really new thing. Numi is Adriano Galante. 
in the music industry. So I'm about to be 40 years old, but <laughs> but I feel like 20 because everyone is like, who is this guy? So, so it's exciting somehow, you know, starting all over again. I mean, that's, un that's unfair to young artists because now I write an email and most of the people can answer me because they know me. But I don't know, there's something there that when you change the name of your project, it feels like new for the industry. They're always waiting to see if it's gonna hit. And then when they see, ah, he's in Rock Loops or he's in this magazine, then they start calling. Besides just the business, I know you know booking, I know you know organizing festivals and events, and also mm. the Musicians' Union and these social movements like the Caixa de Resonancia or No Caerem. And those projects seem to be really close to your heart too. And mm. you've been working in music as an artist, music in the industry, and as well as a social activist, so to speak, in the community. Do you feel like these movements have impacted the community in a way that will impact the next generation of artists. I mean, musicians, we should be more involved in all the parts that makes music possible. All these projects you mentioned, I can't be silenced or don't look that part because it's unfair and they're not treating musicians well or they're putting a rapper into jail and don't look there. I mean, just do your music. And I hate this type of artist. Art is sacred and it doesn't have to be related to real problems. I'm totally against that. Of course, it was a lot of work in the beginning. When we were speaking out about why we're not being paid that much or why this logo from this beer company is on the stage and blah, blah, blah. I mean, many musicians have been working with me they were not agreeing with me. It's not that easy, but then it all makes sense. I mean, I'm not doing this to get more interviews for sure, because I'm losing the opportunity of playing in many festivals and many venues because I said this. But do I deserve to play there if they're thinking the musicians have to work this way? I really think when there's a movement, a social movement, most of the media or the people are asking who is behind it. And before funding the Musicians Union and OKRM, we were only speaking as sword or as artists. And that's a mistake because I think it's a collective thing. Then you can speak freely about it and yeah, I'm part of the Musicians Union or whatever. I mean, it's stronger and you can hit harder if there is a collective movement. And I'm really happy, like now a festival sends you the contract and you see some details that you didn't see that five years ago. So yeah. Are you playing the Marseille, you said, no? No, I'm just looking forward for all the gigs that come now in September and October. The Marseille, and then a week later, a really great festival called 360, Binaural, you know, with the headphones and this mic, it's a head and you talk to it like a real person. Oh. He has two mics in the ears and the musicians are around it so you can just move and people only listen to the concert through the headphones and they're all around the band and we can switch positions and talk or sing or play in different parts of the venue. And that's an amazing experience for the listener. As an artist, let's see. <laughs> and that's the 1st of October in Parallel 72. Right, cool. Yeah, yes. really happy. I'm really glad that you had time to do this. Thanks, thanks for the proposal. Yeah. yeah.
Thank you very much, Adriano, and continue good luck on all your projects this year and beyond. Adriano will be performing in La Merced, this in Barcelona, as well as in Parallel 62 on October 1st. Tune in next month to the Metropolitan Culture Corner, where we love to introduce you to the work of the incredibly creative people who make their home in our beautiful city of Barcelona. By the way, if there's someone, an artist, an actor, a musician, a chef, a filmmaker, a photographer, a designer, a philosopher, a writer, a creative human being who inspires you, and who lives or works extensively in Barcelona, please drop us a comment, let us know who it is, because we're always looking for our next guest. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting local art and culture, and see you next month.